There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1131. Talking Dead is back live in studio even, uh, which we haven't been for like a year and a half. <laughs> so that's kind of a big deal. Uh, we're going to have the Walking Dead season 11 preview special. Um, this is the final season of Walking Dead, but it's a really long extended season. So it's going to, it'll be like another year before the series uh, wraps up. Uh, a lot of road to cover, but... Um, Walking Dead new episodes start back Sunday, August 22nd, and um, uh, Talking Dead will be after each one of those episodes for the next, uh, well, actually because of the preview special, Talking Dead will be live for the next nine weeks. So Talking Dead preview special August 15th, Walking Dead and Talking Dead back August 22nd, and also, and that's on AMC, and then also uh, on Monday nights you can head over to NBC to see new episodes of The Wall, so The Wall's back, so Sunday and Monday nights. Talking Dead and then The Wall on NBC. I think that's at 10, 9 Central. I, I'm, not, I'm not upset about that. Uh, shows on Sunday and Monday nights. So there you go. Um, thank you for listening to me promote my own things. But now let's talk about your promotional things, uh, events at ID10T.com for anything that you would like to share with the ID10T community corkboard. Uh, like Michelle, who writes, I work for Enjoy the Ride Records. We recently released a new updated vinyl record from the awesome 70s show Lancelot Link, Secret Chip. There's new artwork inspired by James Bond vinyl release, colorful records, and a bonus track, um, which is a nice accompaniment to the original release from Lancelot Link and the Evolution Revolution. You can stream the album on whichever streaming platform you prefer, and episodes of the show Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp, are also available online to watch. Um, FYI, the writers of Get Smart and The Carol Burnett Show headed up this project, so if you've never watched it, check it out. Thank you so much for sharing, Michelle. Events at ID10T.com for anyone else who wants to get up on the corkboard. This episode is my dear friend Connie Britton, um, who is just a brilliant actor. Oh my god. And Connie is in just the coolest, best stuff. We've been friends for over 20 years, and I, it is been such a joy to watch uh, her career just blossom in all these wonderful ways. Connie is currently uh, on a show called White Lotus, which Lydia and I have been watching every week and love. That's on HBO Max. Um, you know, Connie was also on American Horror Story and Friday Night Lights. It just has a million really fantastic credits and is also, by the way, just one of the coolest, funniest people I know. Uh, and also, we're neighbors. So um, uh, we actually are kind of joking at the beginning of the episode about how, you know, we could have just walked across the street to do this, but we're just so in 
so in the mindset of doing Zoom uh, that we this was also uh, a Zoom a Zoom cast. So thanks to Connie for coming back uh, to um, the podcast and also. Uh, White Lotus, I believe the first season finale is August 15th, uh, Sunday, August 15th. I'm, I'm fairly sure that that's, uh, that's the last episode and that's all available on um, HBO Max. I think since we recorded this podcast, I believe it might have gotten a second season order, but I think it might be a different cast in a different location. Um, so anyway, you can go jo- enjoy White Lotus right now on HBO Max. Thank you to Connie Britton for this episode number 1131 of the ID10T podcast, which begins now. Initiating ID10T protocol. Britain has entered. This is ridiculous. What are we doing? You mean the fact that you're like right up the street? (laughs) I mean, like pretty much across the street. (laughs) You're like literally across the street. I know. I know. This is. This is. This is. This is our world. It's a digital. It's a digital world. No. No. I, I refuse. I'm not buying it. Well, listen. I love the bookcase in the background. By the way, that's that that's that's a beautiful color of that that shade of green is awesome. <laughs> thank uh, you, thank <laughs> you, thank you. I'm so glad that you have um, like the Nightmare Before Christmas that Santa Claus behind you. All your Disney. Wait, where are you? Are you guys? You're in your downstairs. Yeah, this is the this is basically like, you know, this would have been a basement but now it's like the tv room i know there's all sorts of like fun like stuff right i remember that guy yep yep so so did you have you been sort of in the covid of it all is that where you've been sort of doing all your work stuff um i have like a podcast studio where people used to come and so i do some of them from there uh zooms still but then some of them from down here too i don't know i just say this is like a Nice, comfortable room. I like the background, you know? I like the background. I mean, I literally could just walk over there and look over the thing and just see your house. (laughs) I know. I could could go out on one of the, like, terraces on the side and we could just just yell up to I could just shout, how's it been? How's work been going? We're enjoying (laughs) work notice. I said, we're enjoying... Ah, shit. Yeah. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. Um, Speaking of White Lotus, by the way, we're way in. Lydia and I have been watching since we watch week to week. It yeah, has, you do. Like old school style? Like old school style, which I really enjoy. I love watching week to week because know, it, right? it just gives you like something to like, like an appointment to look forward to. And when you have a show with your significant other, it's like, oh, our, the show that we watch is on. Let's let's watch it. Like that's been so much fun. I know. I, I I think we've really lost that. We've really lost the kind of value of that kind of appointment TV. I remember, I mean, and maybe it's just because we're old people. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember, yeah, like 
that's that was that was almost as much a part of it as just watching the actual show. Yeah. As the, like what's going to happen this week. Right. You know? I mean, serialized TV. Hello. That's the joy of it. I mean, I get the I get the the fun of binging something. But, you know, I think that's I think the binge is a perfect example of just the degradation of our society. <laughs> like everything. We have, access access. To, <laughs> we have access to everything. I mean, you know, I, I put it in the same category as you and I zooming with each other instead of seeing each other. Person. And by the way, I get it. Like it's still COVID and it's, it's the Delta variant is horrible right now. And I get like, but, but, but the thing is everybody, what I, what I don't like about this the most is that so many people love it. They're like, I'm never going back to my office again. I'm never, now we can zoom. We can, I don't ever have to, you know, and listen, I've always gone like flown to New York and done press junkets. We don't have to do that anymore. We can just do it like this. But I'm like, oh, I see. This is just like, you know, and the same with like binging television. It's sort of like, we don't have to make any effort. (laughs) We can just plop down whenever we want and watch the whole thing. Oh, the entire thing. You know, what I realized is that with Zooming with people, going back out into the world, people are smelly and I don't want to be around them and I don't people have to. People are smelly and I have to wear shoes. <laughs> I don't like and shoes. I'm not I don't like the into smell. it. If, you know what I mean? And like, also, I don't like to have to wait for stuff. I want it you now. Gratification. Well, you know, I, I, do, I do think there are some things. I, I, I think food, I mean food, I think shows are becoming like fast food, which is that some, I mean, like food in general, like some things are fast food, you binge it all at once, but other things are like meals, like you want to take your time with it. And, you know, like I think Walking Dead is a show that you want to take your time with. I think, you know, White Lotus is a show you want to take your time with because there's a lot going, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot going on, there's a lot to process. Right. And, you know, you'll like, but there are other shows that are just sort of fun. You watch them in a weekend, but then just like a just like a fast food thing, you don't ever think about it again. But those meals where you're like, oh, remember that time we went to that one restaurant in New York and it was like a five course meal. Oh my God, it was so, you know, and other, other things you just like to sit with more. So I do think there are degrees of, fair. of binging versus not, not, not binging. But, um, but right. I don't think everything... I don't. I don't like to binge everything. I really do enjoy the, the rollout process. And, and also, to your point, like when we were when we were growing up in the 1900s, or you know, you'd, you'd go to a picture house, you'd see a silent picture of a horse walking upstairs, and it was oh, yeah. incredible. Clomp, clomp, clomp. That was it. Uh, and a guy on a piano playing the playing the playing the playing the songs. But uh, but back in those days, the other thing that was sort of uh, kind of unconsciously connective about it was the fact that you knew pretty much everyone was watching it at the same time. So there was this kind of unspoken communal experience that you knew that the next day, the infamous water cooler chat, you knew that they probably watched at the same time. And so you you kind of had this connection point and now like it's you know oh are you caught up it's the are you caught up on have you been watching oh no we're gonna you know so everyone's just kind of watching stuff at different whenever it's convenient to them right exactly exactly which takes away from that sort of communal um you know experience of it because 
you know, yes, okay, we can we can in general talk about it, but ultimately, you know, we're we're not all exactly we're not experiencing it all in real time at the same time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I I think I'm I think I thought you were in Canada, which is why which is why it didn't occur to me. If I knew you were home, like I pro- you we probably could have done this in person and you would have been the first in person podcast literally since like February of twenty twenty. <laughs> I know. How crazy is that? <laughs> Which I don't even, it, 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 it's had good, it's had good things and bad things about it, which is, yeah. you know, we've gotten to have people on from all over the world, which, you know, but you know, I do kind of miss just sitting face to face with someone and just like uh, connecting like people are supposed to I connect. I know. I know. I, I really do miss that. And it's so easy to not, you know, it's, it's so easy to sort of brush that aside and be like, yeah, but this is so convenient. It's so great. I didn't know. I didn't want to have to put my shoes on and walk up the hill. (laughs) It's hot hot outside. It's so sticky. What if I was was sweaty by the time I got there? That might have. I mean, LA never used to be humid and I don't know what's going on. I don't know. what. Now there are mosquitoes. What do you think that is? (laughs) Why do you think it's so hot here? I don't know what's going on. I mean, who knows about anything? No idea. I don't know. It's a fluke. It's just a fluke. (laughs) Just a thing. We're just going through a thing. Yeah, I don't think I... I'm sure it's going to pass. It'll be fine. I have to say, like, playing a role like Nicole Mossbacher, the role that I play on White Lotus, it's like, it's so... It's been a really great experience in getting into the head of, like people who would just assume like have a very like have their own sort of denial going you know right. and they create this whole you know like this whole this whole alternate reality where literally every alternate reality that like it's just hot because it's hot it's hot because it's a hot year <laughs> i don't have time to worry about that right now i have meetings <laughs> yeah 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 I, I have things i have things to do i i remember I feel like I remember when you went to shoot that, we were talking and you were like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii to shoot a show. And was that was that was last that, year or was that this year? I can't remember no, when. No, it was October. Well, first of all, I can't believe it's already like August. I know. I know. Like, so yeah, it was, it was October of last year. Oh, wow. We shot, we shot basically October through, like we got home right before Christmas. And then oh. we actually had to go back in February. To do pickups? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, oh, and I, well, I, of course we're on a podcast. Nobody cares. But, well, we have some mutual friends that I like, was like, I'm going to be shooting in Maui, Jen and Pete. <laughs> and they came to Maui for Thanksgiving. Greenwell, I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to see any human being because we were in such a bubble there. Oh, Maui anyway, you know, they're moving there now, right? Oh my God. I had no idea. Gosh, I haven't talked to Jen and Pete in so long. And I can't remember who was, who was on. Someone was on. Oh, I think maybe it was Alan Tudyk who was saying that he was in sort of like a creative writing group with Pete. Oh yeah. Um, And they kind of like do these, I think they do these writing challenges and they was like, oh my God, that's such a great idea. Cause I didn't, it, it was a, it was a solid, at least calendar 
14, 15 months before I felt any shred of creativity and like, uh, oh, right, I like to make things. I just, I just shut it down and hibernated for so long that I realized sometimes that's a thing. Like, oh, yeah, you kind of have to make yourself right. So it doesn't, it doesn't always just come to you. You kind of have to sit down and get the process going again. Did you feel that way? Yes, yes. I mean, that's the thing. It, you know, and frankly, when this show, when White Lotus came up, you know, it was deep in the pandemic and I hadn't been doing anything, which was, it's, it was actually, I found it very easy to fall into. Well, first, no, first it was a total panic. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this going to be? Like, we're not gonna be able to see anybody and we have to all hole up and, you know, but, but then, you know, once we sort of got used to that world, it was kind of, I don't know, it was almost too easy to just not, to, to not continue working and doing all that stuff. Um, and, and I was, I, I have a production company that, um, we've been, we've been working pretty steadily straight through and like developing, um, various shows and things, but, but when white Lotus came along, it was kind of like, Oh, I want to, I want to, I miss that. I want to do that again, you know, but even now that work is kind of coming back, it's sort of, it's sort of like, I, I really want to do it, but I can feel the pull like, oh, but it's been so nice not quite having to travel so much and right. just being home with my son. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting there that, that there's a little, it, it feels a little different. And I feel like we have to almost be more conscious about like, I'm going to go do my, my creative thing because that's what I do. Damn right. it. You know, yeah, but but I I feel like one of the benefits, uh, at least you know work, work wise, has been um, when kind of running around all over the country and or, you know touring or going around and doing stuff. It, it wasn't really an option. It sort of it it really kind of helped. Um, like I feel like sometimes we're very our identity is very velcroed to our careers, and sometimes yeah. you just have to you know and. And, and so it sort of made me realize like, oh, yeah, no, it's important. I love working. It is important. I'm fortunate that I get to work. But also there's lots of life stuff that's really precious that is very satisfying that that I don't want to I don't want to just choose work stuff because I feel like I have to. It's like, oh, I'll do it because it's fun, but not because it's something I feel like I need to do it or I don't exist. Like, I, I think that was, that was nice. I know. You know, it's funny because I was just shooting in Toronto and because that they've had like a crazy quarantine there, like a 14 day quarantine when you get into the country, which yeah. they just lifted. And, and I was, I had to shoot there for three weeks, but I was, I, I was like, I don't think I can do this 14. If it's a 14 day quarantine, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then they lifted the quarantine, but it was only for vaccinated people. So I couldn't bring Yobi, my son. Uh-huh. And that was really hard because I had to leave him for three weeks and, you know, go do this work. And so then I just got back from that this weekend. And then, you know, now got a call like, Oh, can you come fly to New York next week and do Colbert? And meanwhile, I haven't done Colbert. I haven't done any talk shows in person in like two years, right? you know, because, you know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, like, of course I should do, 
But I'm like, wait, I've just been away from my son for three weeks. I have, I'm doing a movie in LA the week after next in LA. And then I have to fly back to New York to finish this other movie that I was doing in Toronto. And I'm just like, I don't think I can go to do Colbert next week because I am freaking out about COVID right now and I can't leave my son. You'd rather be with your son. I think that's really nice. He's a, how old is he now? Like 10? He's 10. Wow. And it was like a big deal to make that decision because it's like, you know, in my whole life, it's always been like, of course, you have to go do the press and you get on a plane and you fly to do it even when you're in the middle of like shooting and all the things. And it's sort of like, it was interesting. It was a it was a definite sort of moment for me where I had to really rethink how I make the decisions in my life. You well, know? yeah, because I, you know, I, I I remember. I don't know. I feel it. I mean, I've <laughs> I've known you for over twenty years now, mm-hmm. and I remember when we first met. You know, the, that 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 sort of group. Everyone in that group worked very regularly. By the way, you know, you and Lauren Graham, and you know, and like and this this whole group of people was this kind of like working actor group, and yeah. and Carla uh, Gugino, and you know. Right. But I do feel like there was a different sort of um let me ask you i'll put it this way do you feel like there was a sort of a a different tone and like oh god i hope i get this show like it was i feel like we're chasing that sort of work that stuff much more but then sometimes if you're not conscious of it you're always in that mindset but you really do have to pretty regularly like reassess and go am i still in that position anymore am i still that person do i still need you know because if you don't you can always just think, you know, you're in that beginning stage where you got to do everything or you're going to fade away. And it's like, well, no. And it's that those aren't the important things anymore. No, right. I mean, that's I think that's exactly it. it it's sort of a, at what point do we give ourselves permission to actually let other things be a priority other than this career that we worked so hard to create? Right. That's the thing. We all had to work so hard and you know, be so focused and take so much rejection, you know, for every yes, there were 15 no's. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like that, that mindset is pretty hard to, to break free from, you know, (laughs) even, even now. And it, and it feels, I don't know, it feels empowering to do that, to kind of break away from that mindset, but also scary. It is scary, but it also, but, but I, but I think it's more empowering than it is scary because ultimately you're choosing yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're choosing yourself over this external thing, you know, which, which none of us have any control over. And not only like the business was volatile before, but now with all the shifts to streaming and companies like consolidating and changing and flipping around, like now it's like, who, I don't know, but you know, like you consistently work on really like top shelf stuff, you know, like you've really, I don't know. I, I, I hope you at least feel like you've made it. Cause from where I'm sitting, like you totally are like, like every time you're in something, it's just, it's some awesome, cool, interesting, critically acclaimed thing. And do you, do you feel that now? Or do you still feel like, I don't know, I'm still out there kind of scrapping. No, I, I mean, I do. I, first of all, that's, that's very nice of you to say. And I do feel, I feel, I feel several things. I feel really fortunate. 
like to some degree, I feel like I've gotten really lucky and ended up on things that have, you know, been what, as you describe them. Um, but I mean, really, frankly, for me, a lot of it goes back to Friday Night Lights because Friday Night Lights was, you know, nobody knew it was going to be what it was going to be. And it was, it was a real long shot. And I really didn't think I was going to do that show because I didn't want to play the wife of a coach on a football show. And, you know, I thought that was not about football, Connie. (laughs) Nobody knew that, you know, it it felt like to me, it felt like TV death. Right. Like, okay, I'm signing away six years of my life to play this supporting character on the side, on the sidelines, literally. Uh But, you know, that show ended up being in so many ways, um, really rewarding and set the bar really high. And, you know, and then I, these other opportunities came along that I have felt so grateful for, but also, you know, it's funny, like when I grew up, I love, I watched TV all the time when I grew up, like I loved TV, but it, at that time, like when we grew up, like there, there, like TV was very separate from movies. And it felt like if you were a TV actor, you were very pigeonholed. Yep. And you know what I mean? Yep. And so I always like when I had the audacity to dream about being an actor, thank you, Barack Obama for that one. Um, you know, the, I I would, I I would think to myself, well, I I really love TV and I want to work on TV, but I don't want to be pigeonholed, you know, like, I want, I, I want to, I, I, you know, you, you got to be real careful about that. But of course at the, at the beginning, you just want to get a job and, you know, and I did love working on TV anyway. So after Friday Night Lights, I really was like, okay, I have to do something really different. Every, everything, every choice I make from now on, has to be like a stretch in some way. I have to like be stretching myself. I have to be taking a risk. I have to be doing something that feels out of my comfort zone. Like I haven't done it before because that's the only way. I'm not going to be pigeonholed, you know? And, um, but, and so I think in that way, I kind of set the bar in a pretty specific way for myself. But then the other way that I think I learned a lot about, about what I wanted to do from Friday Night Lights was that show was a good example of how you can, reflect an you can reflect an audience back to itself mm-hmm. in a way people really um you know it's weird I, I love when an audience feels seen by watching a show you know mm-hmm. and it made me realize like oh we can play roles that actually can have a cultural impact we can play roles that actually you know I can play female characters that will actually make women May, may, that could possibly make women know themselves better or ask questions about themselves or their lives or whatever, you know, like we, we can have the power to do that in the roles that we play. And so I think that's become something that I look for a little bit too now when I make the choices about what I want to do. And so, so yeah, like I feel I, I am pretty specific about what I'm looking for to do. Um, but I also feel like I've been really lucky. Well, but I, I think you, I think it's easy to get lucky once or twice, but I don't think, I think that, that they sustained 
you know, when it happens over and over again, it's like, ah, that's not luck. You know, that's not luck. That's that's dedication and talent and and good choices. And, you know, I mean, it you know, anyone can get a break, can get that first break. You know, it's like. Oh, you're in a cafe and someone's like, I'm a producer. You, you got a good face. Let's put you on it. You know, and anyone can do that. But, uh, but, oh, but, to, but to have it sustained over and over again, like the, that's not an accident because it just, it just, I don't think it works that way. I don't think people just get lucky over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? I, I think it yeah. is kind of, uh, you know, I think it's more, and it's more conscious than I think. Maybe some people even realize because you certainly make choices, but you also make micro choices that you're not even aware of that put you in the zone of kind of where you want to be and 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 what you want to do. So I don't know. It it's it it it, it is that shift from I just want to work on something, and that's the other thing too of turning stuff down is that you also feel the guilt of like, am I like any so many people would want to do this and I don't want to take it for granted. And so am I, am I a jerk for saying this is something I don't want to do, but on the other hand, maybe someone really wants it should have it. Right. And like nowadays, you know, I'll, I'll get offered something and it's like, Oh, it could be really cool, but I'm not really sure that it's exactly like, it doesn't fit exactly within the parameters of what I want to be doing. And so that nowadays I have to ask myself, am I going to feel like shit when, <laughs> when I see somebody else play this part and yeah. I'll be like, oh, you know, I should have done it. Um, so I have to ask myself that question a lot. And usually for the most part, I, I can, if I, if I'm, if I'm okay to walk away from it, I can say like, yeah, I, you know, I, I want somebody, somebody should go do it. Who is like so excited to do it. And like Godspeed, you know, like, I hope it is everything that they want it to be, you know? Yeah. And, and I also, I mean, and you can kind of sort of, you can really pre-think everything to death. But the thing yeah. is, you never really know. I mean, like, there are some things you think are going to be the greatest thing in the world and you do it and it's like, no, that was fine. And then other things where you're like, ah, I don't know. And then all of a sudden it just like blows up and becomes a thing and you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how special... Sort of like what you said with Friday Night Lights, I didn't realize how special this actually would be because I had this very limited perspective, this very outside perspective on it. So I don't know. I don't know if there's any... <laughs> there's, there's no there's no real rules. I mean, I guess you can have a gut about stuff, but even yeah. that, like there's just no... There's no guarantee. So I guess you really just have to pick stuff based on, does it seem like I'd have fun doing it? If yes, I'll do it. If not, I won't do it. And I don't know how else to really pick stuff. Right. And yeah. And like, will I grow from doing it? You know, I mean, with Nashville, it was like, you know, in retrospect, that was a crazy decision for me to make. Like I just adopted my son and then to move to Nashville. And it was such an ambitious show. But I was like, oh, you know, this is an opportunity. I don't know if I'll ever in my life again have the opportunity to play like a country music singer. Right. You know? And so I was like, I think I have to do that. And, you know, it it was challenging, but it it was worth doing because, and that's where 
you know, even if the thing doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out, like even if it doesn't, even if it's not the huge hit that you want it to be, for me, I can feel if if I really feel like I have a very specific reason for doing it, then whatever the outcome, I'm actually I I actually can be okay with that. You know? Yeah, I, I think that's all. Again, you just can't control, and also you know, doing a thing because you think it's going to be a hit is not necessarily the best reason to do something. I mean, unless you sort of feel like, well, I'm at a point in my life where I really don't want to have to put too much thought into my job. And I just, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy to just work on a, like a procedural show that'll just be on for a hundred years. I go to work, I come home at five or whatever. I don't think about work anymore. I have job security and I can focus on this other thing. That's totally reasonable too. But, you know, thinking about things in terms of whether or not stuff's going to be ahead, I just feel like it's going to be a constant, you're just going to constantly have a knot in your stomach because that's just not, it's not anything that we can control. There is literally no way to know what's going to be a hit. There's, there's no way. And there are so many people paid so much money to watch the algorithms and read the data and, you know, do the testing to figure out exactly what's going to be a hit. And none of them know anything. Yeah. Like that is the, that's the most fascinating part of it. And I think that's the part that's like, in a way, freed me up quite a bit to, really just stay true to what I want to be doing because there is, there's just no way you can't know. And the only thing you, that, that I, so the only thing I can know is, Oh, I see something in this role that I haven't done before. I see something in this role where I can stretch in a way that is going to put another like color on the screen, you Mm -hmm. know? And I, or, or this is a, this is a writer or a director who I'm going to learn something from. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a group of actors that I'm going to learn something from. This is a, this is a world that I haven't inhabited before. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just gotta be that like, but I, and I feel frankly, very fortunate because I've just never been in this business I've never like had that sort of outward view as my approach to this business. I've never looked at it from the outside in because I can't, I'm just not good at that. Some people really are like, there's some people who really have like that business savvy mind and Mm -hmm. they can like, I did, I I've been working on this movie with Mila Kunis, who Mm -hmm. by the way is a dream. Like she's such a sweetheart. And you know, she's married to Ashton Kutcher and they are like these incredible savvy business people and are doing amazing things. Like she was telling me about how, I don't know if you know this and, but Ashton decided a few years ago that he wanted to dedicate himself to ending child pornography and so they started this incredible organization called Thorn, um, which is basically developing technologies with law enforcement around the world to basically get into all of the all of these sort of like underworlds of like this, you know, the internet, blah, 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 
to understand how, how it works and to stop it. I mean, it's just astounding what they're doing, but you know, I feel like they really have this incredible way of looking from the outside in and it's been really productive and really lucrative for them. And I just don't have any, <laughs> like I was, I was talking to her while we're doing this movie and I'm just like, Tell me about cryptocurrency again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've talked to people who who are really into it, and there is still a little bit of a... Well, I mean, I can sort of explain it to you, you know, like, and, and it is just a mindset... And I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to say I don't, ha- I don't really have that either. But if someone, if someone came up to me and they said, uh, "Oh, um, yeah, here's a business plan for this, you know, this digital currency thing," you know, I'd go, "Oh, okay, sounds great." Like I don't really know what to look for. I don't know, you know, if if someone really described cryptocurrency to me, I might be like, "Here, it's let's." change it all you know and then it sort of reminds me of this old episode of the simpsons where they go to itchy and scratchy land and all these signs are like buy itchy and scratchy money so homer gives them like five thousand dollars but then none of the stores take the itchy and scratchy money i feel like that would be me you right. know like I, and so i don't some people are just really gifted and have the creative sense and the business sense you know and i don't uh i think the business sense to me it just Maybe it'll skip a generation, you know, if we have kids, maybe my children will have it. But to me, I just like to make stuff that's, you know, like creative stuff and all the business stuff just kind of gives me a rash. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to invest in when people say, like, oh, I never would have thought to. Oh, that's a very successful thing. I never would have thought to invest in that thing. Good for you. Right. I mean, it's totally what what are they called? FSTs, non-NFTs. Right. Okay. NFTs like are things that don't actually exist. Like right? Like they do and things. they don't. They do and they don't. They they exist in a uh they exist in a way, but just differently. <laughs> right, Chris, right. So yeah, I know like a couple months ago, you know. People were, you know, people were saying like, oh, I want to give you this presentation on NFTs. And, you know, I have a lot of artist friends who were into it. And it sounded really great for them because apparently, you know, every time an NFT sells, you can track who's gotten it. So the original artist, from what I understand, gets a, a basically like a royalty payment from the future sales of their thing, which is so wonderful for artists. Right. You know, Um but, but then uh, the person who owns it just owns it like online, right? Basically, yeah. It's not an actual. So it's not an actual thing that you. It's not an actual thing that you own, right? No, it's not an actual. Well, it's not like a tangible thing, you know. It's right. not like a like an, an an in real life sort of a thing. Oh my god, I feel like we sound like we're a hundred years old. It's like, uh, you know, it's like why, you know, I are bought an NFT. Are, are all your listeners turning us off right now? Because that's fine. I'm fine with that. No, because you know why? I bet some of them, and maybe even some of them, maybe some of them are. I don't know, but I think I think there are also some of them who, in conversations, would talk about these things like they knew stuff about it, but I think secretly are like. God, I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel like everyone knows this thing that I don't know. You know what I mean? Like this, it does, it does, like there's this sort of technology party that I think a lot of us really wish we were a part of. And it's like, I'm trying. I think, 
I think my brain, you know, at a certain point in your life, your brain, you know, like your the RAM in your brain just gets full. Like there's just no room, no more processing space. You get the error message in front of your eyes when people start telling you about a new thing. And I think that's, we just have to be comfortable with that. I know. I think I'm fine with it. And, you know, frankly, like getting back to our original point, like be, that, that that's, it, it's full. That's not where I function. That's not where I function at my highest level. Clearly, clearly, obviously. So therefore I just, I just defer to what I do know, which is the things that the, my value system and that's it, you know, and that's how I make my choices. And that's how I like live my life. And that's how I play my roles. You know what I mean? And I'm probably not going to be like a trillionaire, but it's okay. <laughs> but that's fine. Like I, even that idea just seems so silly to me. It's like, A, who needs that much money? And B, you know, the more you do, the more you take on, the more responsibilities you have, the more stresses. I mean, like it, you don't just get more of one thing you get more of everything, you know? It's like, yes. sure, you might get the thing you want, but you don't realize all the other things that that unlocks that come along with it. And are you willing to make that agree? You have to understand, it's just sort of like the the claws in every genie bottle wish. Oh, I wish I had this. And then like all these things go sideways. Like, I wish I had known all of the downsides. I just saw the, you know. Yes. I just feel totally. like we never. We Every don't fairy always... tale has been written about it. We learn. Yeah, about exactly. Children, and yet we don't learn. Everything's a fucking Twilight Zone episode, and I just I think we just don't we don't always know what's best for us, and we think something is going to solve our lives if we just get this thing, and then you get it, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, not only was that fun for like a minute, but then it brought all these other problems, or it just wasn't the way that I thought thought it was going to didn't fix every you know so i i i really you know the older i get the more i'm just like ah just try to enjoy the day be thankful <laughs> that you're okay your wife's okay your mom's okay yeah. you know what i mean like yeah and then we're like what like what there's because everything else is in your imagination the past is in your imagination the future's in your imagination you have this moment now maybe enjoy it because it won't be here <laughs> I know that's so deep. Oh my gosh! Look at you being so deep. Come on, what's going that on? Made you profound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, I just, you know, just when you got a lot of time, it's just one of the things that a lot that we didn't have for a long time because yeah. we were so busy. And busy doesn't necessarily mean productive. Like, yeah we're just there everything was just filled with stuff and then you didn't really get a lot of time to reflect yes. and now we've had a lot of time to reflect and like it's what's true. important you know and it is very true you with yobi and wanting to be with him which is wonderful and me with lydia and wanting to like oh i don't want to travel all the time anymore i just want to hang out with my wife and yeah you know enjoy our lives like i don't i i can i'll work because i enjoy it but not because i feel like you know i have to you know, I have to do this thing. It's not, I feel like we spend so much time trying to make the entertainment business like us. And yeah, then it's, it's yeah. like, it's not even a real thing. And it's, and it's so like mercurial and it doesn't, it, it, well, who cares? Like, it's it an NF, NFT or whatever. It's NFT, like, the, the, yes. the entertainment business is an NFT. You solved it. You, you solved it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And so I am, you know, I am impressed by the the uh, Kunis Kutchers of the world who can, 
spot something and because obviously they're you know like they understand that and they can do things that are socially responsible with their business and not just business for business sake and you know it's like 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 the the business stuff is very um i'm fascinated by it but i also know like well how much of my creative energy do i have to stop and fully try to understand investing and how to vet, you know, new businesses and startups and have the vision. I feel like if I did that, I could do it. It'd be a choice. I don't know if I'd be good at it, but it would also take me away from things that I know I already enjoy doing. So I feel like I'm okay just going like, I'm not, I'm really just not going to be like a big investor and that's okay. I don't need to be. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, also there is something to the old dog, not learning new tricks. I mean, well, no. yeah, I, I mean, I, cause I, and I say that, and as soon as I say that, I'm like, although actually, you know, this, I, I, like I said, I've started this production company. It's been a really amazing process and journey and learning experience. And I hope that it's going to be a whole other element to my life and this career that I started so many years ago. So it's like, I do feel like we do continue to grow and to like, you know, expand ourselves. It's just choosing how we want to do that, you know, and the world is shifting so radically that there, we are presented with a lot of choices. You know, we have to keep up with it. I mean, even, you know, me starting a production company now, I'm doing that in, uh, in an industry that has changed so much that I, I have to like, figure out how the industry even works right now because mm-hmm. it's all it's all changed so dramatically you know what i mean well yeah. yeah but but also starting a production company is i think you use the right word it's an expansion you know you're expanding it's something you already understand the basic you know like you already understand probably more than you even realize and so yeah. you're you're extending a a an experiential uh set that you already possess as opposed to like, I want to learn, you know, banking or I want to learn this where you it's a whole brand new, you know, yeah. discipline set of rules, like a whole other, you know, this this already ties into um, like what, you know, yeah. like what, what, what has been some of the most interesting things that you've learned with your production company so far? Well, you know, I think. Um, how, first of all, how hard it is to get a show made. Isn't it amazing that anything ever gets made with well, as many it's, shows it's as there actually, are? It's actually amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's actually astonishing. And also that there's just so much to navigate and the, you know, there's like this circuitous kind of maze like business that you have to navigate and get through in order to actually get a show on the air, you know? And I mean, I've done shows where I felt, you know, I've, I've often felt and had the experience of feeling like a, sh- a show really works when like everything falls into alignment, you know, from the top down. I mean, I'm talking about from the TV executives in the studio, down to the director, down to the producers, down to the actors, down to the craft service people, like all of those things just come into alignment. And it's like this really surprising, amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And I realize that is also true 
even in the process of trying to get something made. It's like letting all of these pieces come together and somehow journey down the river. I'm making a river analogy. <laughs> and, you know, journey down the river to get to this, you know, being on the air. And it's funny. I mean, actually talking to Mike White about White Lotus because, you know, he's been through all of that and had all the disappointments and all the craziness and upset. And then HBO calls him up one day and they're like, we need content. We know that you are a prolific writer. Can you write something real fast? That's one location and a finite number of actors and do that for us. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in Maui. I'm going to write it in a month. And like, we're going to, Oh my God. <laughs> when does that happen? So, you know what I mean? There's always the exception to the rule, which you also have to like always account for that as well. But yeah, for the most part, I've, it's been just learning how things really get done. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it, and things can sit for years and then you think it's going and then an executive leaves and a new executive comes in and then the project's dead, even though you were almost at the finish line with it. Yes. And, you, you know, and it, it's funny to me how the, the standard path, and it's the same with acting too, like the audition path, you go to auditions and it can feel like, God, I'm not getting anything. And then someone that you worked with on a thing once is working on another thing and they just ask you to be in that thing. And, and there's, it, it doesn't happen the standard way or like pitching. Right. You get the pitch together, you get the group together, you do the pitch to the studio, the pitch to the network, it gets greenlit, you shoot it. it can, you know, it, it's sort of like what you said with, with White Lotus where it's like, here's this other situation that we're trying to, the problem that we're trying to solve. And there's, it's all the back doors because it's so, it feels so rare to me that, but you kind of have to march the standard path in order for those other things to kind of reveal themselves. Yes. And that's, that's such a great point. And that's what just was occurring to me too. It's like, it's almost like, cause I think I did this in my career as well. It's almost like you have to understand that how the system works so that then you can figure out how to break the rules. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have to understand how it works and be so entrenched in your own sense of value and like what's guiding you and what your, what your intentions are, what you want. And then you putting all that together, then you got to figure, it's almost like you have to figure out your way around it, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that I have, I mean, for the most part, as you know, as you described, like, I think a lot of the things that I've done have been pretty, like the things that have been particularly rewarding or successful have been pretty fluky, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it was sort of like a diversion from what the, the, the path is supposed to look like or what the, you know, the, the steps that you're supposed to take. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, speaking of other disciplines, uh, I, I wouldn't mind talking for a few minutes about house restoration because I know, uh, are you done with yours? Uh, or is it, <laughs> I feel like the face you're making is like half. <laughs> okay. It's happening. I'm, I'm getting there. I've been using COVID 
COVID as an excuse now for quite a while because it's like we did move in here during COVID mm-hmm. for sure. And but of course, it took us like two years to like finally get all the freaking work done that we had done. So then now the interior stuff has just sort of like been like dribs and drabs, but I'm very close to that. But I really, really want to get the outside stuff done. And so now I finally, thanks to Lauren Graham, um, she rec- she recommended this landscape guy who's amazing. So I think I'm finally going to get the outside done. And once I get the outside done, I'm going to be like, done. Be pretty psyched about it. That's nice. I, I, I think I have. That's nice. I, well, it is nice. To, I, it's the done part where I'm like, oh, that's nice. But I, I feel like. I love it so much, the process of it. And I feel like to a degree, Lydia's like, we should be done. And I'm like, I know, but wouldn't it be cool to, you know, because we watch all of the HGTV shows and I just, you know, uh, and I follow a lot of accounts on Instagram that are like house renovation or, you know, and it is sort of a loop that you can constantly, (laughs) it can never end if you want it to never end. What You don't really have, what else do you have to do there? Uh, it's, it's, I will use your term dribs and drabs. It's just little, little, little bits of things, you know, <laughs> here and, and there. Good God, I'm old. No, I don't know. I totally know what you mean. So I'm old, but I, I, uh, but it's, you know, the, the, the architecture and, and, and trying to honor the architecture and yes. trying to do things that are, you know, interesting and restorative and make it, you know, extra special and paying attention to the details you know i just i love that it's basically like an art history project that also has this utility of you then you get to live in it it's just like a painting that you can live in and that's fun and i will say that you know because i i get a little like you know, defensive slash embarrassed that it's taking me this long to like get this, you know, to get it done. But yes, I would, in the same way as you are saying, it is sort of this ongoing project, but I do think that trying to be true and you and I both have Paul Williams houses Mm -hmm. and trying to be, you know, I, I feel a real sense of, um, you know, awe and responsibility about Mm -hmm. that. And, so I, you know, I do really take the time to want to make choices that feel, you know, as my friend Liz said, you know, she's like, oh yeah, Paul would approve, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that they would honor, that they would honor the, the intent and the architecture yeah. and, uh, and the, and the, the integrity home. of the house. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the, and the period of the house, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, like I, I always say uh, that it, it really breaks my heart when people will buy like you know, like an old Spanish or an Italian at home. And then they like a Spanish colonial home, for instance, and then they just gut it and modern, make it like super modern inside. And it's like, Oh, you, you didn't want, (laughs) why don't you just buy a glass cube? If that's what you wanted. Why, why do you, I know. Why would you do that? And we want, we watch a lot of like, um, uh, like shows from the from England or Ireland like restoration shows and and started watching some Italian ones and and one of the things that we've noticed is that they will often super modernize stuff inside and I realized it's because to them old buildings are just old buildings because they're so ubiquitous that it's you know I I see them as like oh my god how could you take like 
an old Gothic style home and then want to put like marble on the floor, you know, or whatever. And, but if you're, but if you see that all the time, it's like, yeah, it would probably be refreshing for you to, you know, like put some sort of a modern spin and integrate it somehow. And that's part of the artistry of the architects there is like, you know, having the facade of a house be one thing, but the back of the house is this totally modern, but we just, you know, I think we just want to live in an, we just want to live in an old house that feels like an old house. Well, and you know, I also, the flip side of that too is, you know, sometimes, or you see these like Parisian houses that were built in the 1700s and you see, you know, these fabulous, you know, designers or whomever living in these places where the walls are cracking and you can see, you can actually see the layers of paint from, you know, centuries and, and that, and it's been left to that's the, the integrity of that has, has remained and, and the people live in that, you know, I, I remember visiting a friend who um, years ago who lived in Italy and he was living in this like 500 year old, like Tuscan villa in Florence. That was not, he was an artist. Like it was not like, it was not done, done, done. It was not fancy, but I loved that about it. It was sort of like very much what it was. Right. And then they just like, you know, set up a beautiful, long, grand, like, you know, wooden dining room table, you know, and that was their dining room. And, and it made me, I mean, to the point where sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to like get some like crumbly, amazing tile from like the mid 1800s. And, you know, I did that in my, like my powder room downstairs. Cause I'm like, I, I love that look. And it's, it feels like it's sort of, true and yet and yet you don't want to like replicate i don't know it's it's a funny thing this is why you gotta watch escape to the chateau right and then also like if you think about paul williams i mean he he did so many different there were he did so many different styles different eras yeah he evolved every 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 decade he captured really all of the various different styles and and so and and i feel like he actually allowed himself to be really free with his choices. Mm. So sometimes I think about that too. And I'm kind of like, okay, it's it is okay. In- I like, I like to mix eras, you know? A- absolutely. And, 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 and sort of seeing, like you said, seeing the different styles throughout the different decades and just like watching, a watching a master artist at work play with different styles and evolve and not just do one thing. And they're all really unique and beautiful in their own ways like it's like that's that to me is that's art it's not just picking one thing and like well that's all you do and that goes back to what we were saying and what you were saying also about like never wanting to do the same thing twice and always wanting to evolve and always wanting to you know i think that's really just sort of the the best that we can do you know is is just keep challenging ourselves and sort of and and following that and by the way i have to say and i don't you know i i haven't really been deep diving into the story of what white lotus is in case people aren't caught up because i don't want to spoil anything but everyone on the show is so good because every character is so well defined and unique but grounded and interesting in their interplay and I mean, the performances on the show are just so next level. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I agree. Like every single person on that show is 
just incredible. And yeah, that's the thing that's so amazing about it is really each character is so intricately unique. Um, and even though you could certainly generalize about kind of the satirical nature of, of the storytelling, but I, I, you know, and I think, and, and truly that's a tribute certainly to Mike's writing, which is astounding, but also to the performances of every single person on the show, like without, without exception, like every single person just created such a specific living character you know but you know when you have great writing you can do that and i don't i don't know if this is a spoiler or spoiler or not but is this it was it just designed just to be one season i mean i think yeah i think initially it was i don't know um I'm actually having lunch with Mike White today, so I'm gonna go. I'll go ask him. Would you ask him for me? Could you just say my friend Chris really wants to know? This is a quick question. Quick question. You don't know this guy, but he and his wife and his mom are all watching the show, and they just—it's really important if you could just find. Could you just call HBO right now and see? (laughs) Well, and 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 I and I go back too to the you know you talked about like television versus film. You know when we were growing up, and when we were growing up. There, there was a thing called the miniseries, which was a which was limited, but generally only like two or three episodes, like two or three like movie length episodes. Yeah. But it's but to see the evolution of what we now call the limited series, which is a not even like a series in the you know a traditional series when we were growing up was like fucking fucking like twenty four episodes or twenty two episodes uh, or at least thirteen, but now it's eight or ten. And it has, it has, it's kind of occupies this space between film and series. Yeah. So it's like you could shoot it for about the same length of time as a film, but it's 10 hours and not two hours, but it could just be one season or it could be another cast. The set. Well, you worked on American Horror Story too. I was so- about to say, you know who we have to thank for that? Yeah. The modern day, the present day version of what you're describing as the American Horror Story. Series was season one of American Horror Story. Yeah. And and that was like, like, you know, I remember sitting down with Ryan and he's like, and I that was when I was like in this, like, I just finished Friday Night Lights. What am I going to do next? It's got to be so different, whatever. And he was like, and, and I, unlike you, my friend, like horror, not my, not my thing. I get scared. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was like, this is going to be so different than what you've just been doing. And you just are going to sign on for one year and then it's going to become this anthology. I mean, frankly, I think he always intended for it to be an anthology series, but, or, you know, like to, to go on, but go on in different incarnations, but he really, really like gave shape to that idea. And now that is, that's, I mean, that's a lot of what we're watching now. It is so brilliant because it takes out that thing that you mentioned earlier about signing on for six years, which was the well, standard, the was the standard before. And it's like, sure, if, you know, if you either love the show or you are just starting out, of course, you're going to go, yeah, 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 sign me up. I just want to, you know, but, but the more you, you kind of work that you realize that six years is a commitment, which if you can't do anything else. So removing that from the equation of being like, 
one year. That's it. People, no people don't realize. I mean, really, every TV show I ever did until American Horror Story, you basically and and you know, and for the most part, especially in the beginning, you have to audition for it. You have to you have to win the role. But before you even do that final audition, <laughs> you have to sign pages and pages of paperwork which include you saying that you will commit yourself to whatever this series become becomes. You have nothing to base that on other than perhaps a pilot episode that you've read. Mm-hmm. You have to commit to six or seven years where you cannot get out. So mm-hmm. whatever that show is going to become, you have to commit to that before you even get the part. Right. And so the, the anomaly, the sort of brilliance of suddenly it's like, you know, and by the way, what, I remember talking to Ryan Murphy about American Horror Story and I'm like, I'm too scared. To do, he's like, that's okay. You just do one year. You don't have to do it for like six years. I'm like, what? And then, and I remember sitting and talking to him and the, he had this other role in the thing. And he's like, yeah, you know, my, I dream of like, I feel, I dream of Jessica Lange playing that role. And I'm thinking to myself, Jessica Lang, I'm not going to play this like, you know, supporting role on the show American Horror Story. But, oh, yeah, she did because <laughs> she didn't have to sign her life away to do it. Right. He came, was true to his word and made it a fucking fantastic role for her. And then she continued to go on like in various ver- versions of the anthology series. But she had choice in that. And like. It, that's the brilliant, the, you know, you can, with these, with these limited series, you can get amazing actors who aren't necessarily going to be willing to sign away six or seven years of their lives. Like that's, and, that's, that's obsolete. Now. And then because of that, then we got Betty and Joan as well. That, that's right. That's right. We sure <laughs> did. Yes. Right. Yeah. It is, it is that kind of sort of outside the box, innovative thinking, uh, that I feel like is so important now because, you know, before at least the business had a an existing structure, but the sort of the beauty and the scary part now is the structure is, I don't know what anymore. It can be anything. Shows don't have to be a certain length. They don't have to be a certain number of episodes. They don't have to come out at a certain time. There's no pilot season. There's no real, like, fall season outside the networks anymore but even that's kind of up in the air and so all the rules are constantly changing and so it takes someone with the vision and an insight to come along and do that and go you know what this old system is dumb and broken what if we just did it this way oh i don't know if oh i guess there's no reason that we can't do it that way you know and so it is a it is a, a scary but magical time because a lot of the existing walls have come down yeah. and there is there is a lot of room for innovation. And that to me is what's exciting about all this. And certainly, you know, having a production company, it's just it's just sort of a license to be like, you know, what 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 can we create with, you know, this new paradigm where so much more is possible than was ever before? Yes. And now and and that's, you know, I mean, you, you know, even with the production company, it's sort of like I feel like this has been a steep learning curve. Like I've spent the last couple of years, like, okay, learning how the business really works, how all this stuff really works. Now I have to figure out how to think outside the box mm-hmm. and do the thing, do the thing that is what is exciting about the business right now, you know, which is, okay, I understand the structure. 
now I have to see how to like break through the, the, the confines of that structure, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny because when, when Ryan, I, I bet you when Ryan first had that idea, obviously he had the freedom at FX to do it the way that he wanted to do it. But I'm sure if he had, I'll bet if he had pitched that to other networks, they would have been like, no, what are you talking about? You know, if a show is successful, you want everyone to be on it as long. You want to lean into it as much as possible. And then, of course, after he did that and it was wildly successful, other people are like, we should do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, right. Oh, of course. Now everybody eh, now everybody wants to do limited series. You got a limited series idea? You got a limited series idea? You know what I mean? Yeah, because now they can get big actors, you know, because, yeah. you know, like True Detective. You know, it's like so many things have come along that were – and also from the acting side – it's, you know, you get a little bit of the feeling of a series without the sort of the confines of a series. You get yeah. to delve into your characters more than just for, you know, like a 90 minute movie. And but but then and and you get to work with really amazing people who wouldn't otherwise be available. So, right. yeah, I, I do. I do think that it is sort of like, you know, the, the, the golden child right now is the limited series in this. Yeah, business. I agree. And you're right, because I mean, what I love about TV and serialized TV is that you can, you really get to go on a journey with the character. A character really gets to, you, you get to evolve a character. And I love that because we all, we all do that in life. And it really allows for that. Um, whereas in film, there's like a very, you know, very finite beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so in, in limited series, you get to do, that you get to have that evolution, but also not be stuck on it forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we're winding this down, two things that I want to say is number one, what are we going to put in the pulley system so we can like borrow sugar or like ketchup or whatever, yeah. and then just like back, back and forth or like a pneumatic tube system where you could just like, you know, let's do, let's do the research on that. I think it's really just about, I think it's just going to be about the economics. Let's figure out which is the cheaper option. <laughs> what if I really devoted time to figuring out the economics of building a pneumatic tube system under the ground to shoot or, or, or just a piping system that kind of goes over the street? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know, cause I worry about pulley or, system. Or, like, like a, or actually maybe my, and, and Yobi would actually like this. If we had some kind of like giant cannon that we could shoot like butter out of, Oh, like a t-shirt cannon, but for condiments. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, so it would actually just go up into the air and then land perfectly in your back terrace. Or, or like if I, uh, if I was making a sandwich, and I need a mustard and you could like shoot the mustard cannon and I could just hold and you could hit the sandwich. Oh yeah. Or if it, or if it got on me, I could just like smear the bread on my face or whatever and just get it that <laughs> way. Cause it's probably kind of hard to you know, accounting for wind resistance and whatnot to shoot mustard, you know, over a long distance. Yeah, I think it would probably make more sense just to shoot the whole bottle. That, yeah, I guess so. That Or Instacart. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? This is the problem. Or Instacart. We don't ever have to leave our houses. Now, now, we're no, now you're no longer communicating with your neighbor, are you? Just, I could just become a spoiled jerk and never leave. I want mustard now. I, it's on demand. I demand to have this mustard now. Faster, faster, Instacart. I'm going to pay extra so I get it in 10 minutes. <laughs> just tie it to a pigeon and have them drop it on my hands. I don't want to have to. 
I don't want to have to put forth any effort. Oh, I got to walk out of the front door? Oh, come on. God. Rude, rude. Rude. This podcast, it was, I know we were trying to schedule it a while ago, and then schedules got crazy, and then I was, I was actually writing you a text yesterday about how much we enjoy your show and you on it. And Aww. then the, our podcast booker reached out and was like, it's totally last minute. But, you know, do, Connie's publicist reached out. Do you want her on for a while? I was like, I was just going to text her. Yes. So this all worked out serendipitously. I know. I'm so glad. Yeah, because I just got back from Toronto. I'm like, okay. And also, I think I was feeling guilty for not going to do Colbert. <laughs> well, I can try to like... Talk you know what? It, it's not like you won't be able to go do it when it's more comfortable and yeah. you feel better about it. You know, it's like it'll, you know, yes, I'm sure it'll be it'll be, it'll be a blast. But also, like, the, the the peace of mind that you would have to sacrifice to do it, it's like, uh, you know, everyone understands right now. And, you know, we all, we're all, no, no one's going to fault you for that. I think it's a beautiful choice. That And also, it's, I, I love seeing people make, human choices over like business decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I always feel like when people say like, this is a business decision or it's just business, I feel like, Oh, is that just the thing you tell yourself? Cause you're making a not great decision, but you still want to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's a little teeny tiny piece of you dying inside. Just a little bit. Just a teeny little. One just little a molecule, you know. Yeah, being, one little molecule. Yeah, just it's being chewed away by moths in your soul. Right, <laughs> so. right, exactly. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I gotta go have lunch with Mike White. So please tell Mike. I don't know him, but tell him I said hi. Um, and uh, and I hope to see you in person uh, very very soon. Me too. I'm gonna have you guys over. I mean, it's weird because we can do that now. I guess, although now it's like. I don't know. I don't know. You can hang out outside. There's nothing wrong with that. You can, you can, we can definitely hang outside. I'll, ha- I'll have you guys over. It's not, you know, I haven't done my renovation off on us. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.